Welcome to this week's podcast at Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit bergenparkchurch.org. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Bergen Park Church. We're glad that you're here. I want to invite our women's ministry leader, Beth, the fearless Beth, to come up. She is going to be sharing about a new ministry. You need a microphone. A new ministry opportunity coming up for our women. Uh, So, Beth, when you're ready, I'll keep talking up here. Keep the guys busy and their eyes off of you. Uh, I know you can probably sign up for this over at the Connect Center. I'm on. There you are. I'm good. Good to see All right. you. Um, I'm Beth Leppard. I'm the Director of Women's Ministry here. And we have a kind of a different thing we did last summer, and it was super well received, so we're doing it again. It's a book club style study where we all read the same book, but we meet in various different um, types of groups. All the information is out on the Connect Center. Um, We have three different hiking groups that's going to go for a little hike and then stop and discuss some chapters. Um, This book is called, um, excuse me, Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World by Joanna Weaver, Finding Intimacy with God in the Busyness of Life. Um, And I truly, to piggyback off what Stephen said, I, I, I truly have a heart for people It's great you come to church, but I really have a heart for people digging into God's Word. And on a personal level, doing a study, spending time, um, for me, having a structure helps me prioritize that. So anyway, um, if you are interested in doing it, like I said, we have three hiking groups. We have a a patio group. We have a happy hour group. We have a kids under six-year-old moms group um, that you can bring your kids and let them play and just kind of excuse me, discuss it on the side. So anyway, and if you want to do like a group in your neighborhood and you want to be a leader, it's super easy. There's questions in the back of the book, so you don't have to even have any degree to, to <laughs> there's no, no requirements to do this. Um, and in fact, if you do the study, you can do it as light reading and come without spending a lot of time on the study, or you can really dig in yourself, do it like a Bible study, do all the questions in the back. So it has a lot of broad use. So anyway, um, the book will be at the counter. You can take a look at it. Um, and also for this study, you, always, you um, order your book yourself. So you can get it on Amazon or wherever you want. And obviously it's summer, so I know people can't hit all the dates. But come when you can. It's totally laid back, but we'd love to have you. Thanks. Thanks, Beth. Okay, you got it. You know, as a church, one of our desires is to be with Christ, to be with Jesus. And so through that opportunity, you can have uh, that chance to build intimacy in community. So thank you, Beth, for, for sharing that. Hey, as well, as a church, you know, we're also primarily a church as a family. We're not a gathering on Sunday morning. We're a community of people from diverse backgrounds with a commonality of Jesus and the gospel, the Holy Spirit, the word of God, and that's what draws us together. And so we have you know, a, a people today that are gonna be joining our church, and so I wanna invite them up. If you know who you are and you're joining today, would you come on up here, please? Can we give them a hand so they can feel encouraged as they come on up? I wanna introduce them to you, and we're gonna have their pictures up front. Come on up, Elizabeth, Tom, Ethan, Danielle, Christine, how are you? Good. You look beautiful you? today. This is Christine. She's a new member. I finally joined. <laughs> and so uh, a few pictures. I want to show those pictures. Some couldn't be here today. Kathy and Gary Hellard. There they are. Good looking couple. Kathy is also works in our finance office. And so she's a part of our staff. Uh, Tom Merlot. Hey, Tom. Good to see you. 
good-looking picture. Elizabeth Schrader, Schroeder, sorry, Schrader. I always mess that up. It's got an O in it. I know I messed that up. Hey, I love that picture. That's awesome. Christine Traeger, Christine, Danielle and Ethan and their kids. Kids, where are the kids? Are they someplace? Someplace. They're already gone back. And then Rich Wyatt. Rich Wyatt's not here today, but there's, there's Rich Wyatt. Guys, we're so glad you're a part of this church and this family. We hope that uh, as you get more connected, that we have a chance to love on you and you also to serve and to love on us. Church, I want to mention this week, uh, there was an opportunity that went out to volunteer. You know, as a family, we want to serve each other. And if you're not volunteering at Bergen Park, it's a great opportunity. There was an email that went out. You can also go to the Connect Center. There are numerous places where you can just kind of connect. And, you know, that's how we build relationships. Because you really don't connect with people sitting next to you, but when you're serving in our children's area or with coffee or whatever's going on, it's a great way to connect and be a part of that family. So, guys, thank you for joining the church, and I want to just pray for you and pray for us. Is that okay? Yes. Awesome. Father, I thank you that, um, Jesus, you tell us that you've torn down the dividing walls of hostility, that outside of these walls, they're, outside of this, this body, there are things that divide us. In our culture, we seem so divided. But Jesus, you came to tear down the walls to make us one in Christ, to help us to love each other, to honor one another above ourselves, to consider the needs of others as greater than our own. And, and Father, it's hard. It's hard. And so we need the Spirit of God over us and in us and through us. And then we need people who commit to us and say, you know what, I want to I walk with you so that you pursue Jesus better and deeper richer and more full. And so, Father, for this, this group that's joining us today, Lord, I just pray that. I pray that we would be that. We're imperfect. Uh, Father, forgive us in our, our mistakes and our missteps, but help us above all to put love over everything for it covers a multitude of sins. And so, Father, thank you for this church and this family and those that are willing to come up and stand on stage uh, to proclaim their love for you and their desire to be a part of this. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being up here. Well, hey, if you guys want to grab a Bible, we're going to jump into, we've been in the book of Revelation, looking at the letters, seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. Just simple summertime reading, <laughs> laid back, no harsh words, no heavy ideas. I'll tell you, when I jumped into this, you know, I taught this about 12 years ago, and then when I got back to it, I was like, oh, I forgot about that, and I forgot about that. But you know what I've been reminded every time I've read one of these passages, and it's been really, really hard, I realize it's hard because Jesus loves his church. You know, and today, my heart breaks for the reputation of the church. And if I could say it, I think it's really on us. It's on the church. You know, from prominent leaders who have had Moral failures seems like, I don't know if this happened more in the past. I mean, I wasn't aware, but it just seems in the last 10 years, the leaders that I've followed and loved and admired, I'm just like, really? Not him, not her. Denominations protecting their own authority instead of caring for women who have been abused, children who have been abused. You know, I thought that was something only the Catholic Church struggled with. Forgive us, Catholics. You know, for condemning you and thinking somehow at the evangelical church, we got it right. We don't have it right. 
You know, and so my heart breaks. My, I mean, tears well up in my eyes. I, I hear news report after news report. And, and I just think of those people that are outside of the church that already have a hard enough time with the gospel. And we just put stumbling block after stumbling block after stumbling block. And it's like, okay, what, God, what can we do? What can we do? And then I get to the book of Revelation and it says, are you listening to the Spirit's voice? I mean, at the end of every one of these letters, it's like, church, are you listening to the Spirit. Now, now you need to turn off CNN, okay? That means you got to turn off CNN. you got to turn off Fox News. you got to turn off the stuff that just allows you to react. And you need to start allowing the Spirit of God to convict you and to work in you. You need to be in community with others so you can share their burdens. But these letters are here because God deeply, deeply loves the church. And listen, the church is not this institution. It's us. I mean, we are the family of God. We are the church, and we've got to do better simply listening to the Spirit, responding to Him, and then moving out into the world in a way that allows the winsomeness of Christ, the goodness, the mercy of Christ, the truth of Christ to shine. Do you guys see that? And so my heart breaks, but I'm grateful for these words of grace. So let's jump into it. We're going to be in chapter 3, the church in Sardis, chapter 3, and we're going to pick it up in verses 1 through 6. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, the word of the Lord. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed. Thus in white garments, and I will never blot out his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, we have ears. Would we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? In Jesus' name, amen. That's a harsh word to receive. You're dead. I mean, do you hear that? It's weighty. He accuses this, this church of being necrotic. Something stinks. I mean, externally, you're beautiful. I mean, your Twitter, sharp. Instagram, beautiful. Facebook, whatever you're on. YouTube, you got subscribers. People are watching. People are listening. On the outside, you got a great reputation. Man, I'm worried about your heart. Something is going on in this church. Now, the city of Sardis, we got to get a little background. There's a, a map that we can throw up here, kind of give you an idea. If you know Turkey, that's, that's Turkey. At that time, it was Asia Minor, a part of the Roman Empire. And you see the city of Sardis. And the city of Sardis was a major trade route to get to the coastline. So a lot of trade would come through Sardis. Also a military town to protect the coastal cities. And what Sardis was known for was it's a, 
ability to protect itself. And it was kind of ironic because they were attacked twice and they failed twice, but they had this huge, kind of like um, Helm's Deep kind of looking structure. See, they had two parts of the city. One part of the city was the trade area. It was, it was a lower part. And then 1,500 feet. So you kind of go 1,500 feet up. You can kind of imagine Bergen Peak. And on top of Bergen Peak, there would be this castle-type structure that they thought was impregnable. It was, it was something that nobody could get past. And so they had this sense of security. And Sardis was a very wealthy city in its day. They found a huge deposit of gold. So there was a lot of gold reserves Um, A lot of skilled labor in that area. But see, when this letter was written, their walls had begun to crumble. They had already been attacked once and lost. The city was no longer in its heyday. The city itself was beginning to die. And remember, what Jesus does in all these letters is he takes cultural references and and then he applies them to the church. He's saying, you're looking at the city. You're seeing the walls crumble, right? You know that what was once indefensible has been has been breached, and so is your church. You're not as secure as you thought you were. You know, I was reading a book this week by a guy named Scott Daniels, and I want to take this quote. He says this, the church in Sardis was not alive enough to have enemies or to confront heresy. It had simply become the model of a non-offensive Christian faith. See, in every one of these letters, go back and read them. Watch out for these false teachers. Hey, guys, I'm worried about this compromise. None of that is here. Now, there's a little in verse 4 because he talks about these people who haven't soiled their garments, and that's likely a reference to temple worship. There's some among you that are not engaged in pagan worship. But the reason Jesus doesn't mention the fact that there isn't heresy or persecution, it was there, but see, they were so accommodating to the culture, it didn't matter. I mean, this church was not having an impact, and yet they had a great reputation. Probably a great reputation in the city because they never made anyone feel uncomfortable. I mean, they may have had a great reputation across the, the map that we saw, across the other churches. I mean, this is not a church that you showed up at and it was like nobody was here. It was a church that was active. It was, it was still living, but something was wrong. And what Jesus says to them, he starts out with a criticism. There's no praise for this church. And he says, you have a false reputation. You've climbed the wrong ladder. And what success looks like for you looks like death to me. Man, that's frightening. Certainly as a pastor, as a minister, that Jesus would look at our investment and say it's dying. So we need to find out more about what's happening. So let's jump back into this passage in verse 1. And he says this church, first of all, it has a false reputation, a false reputation. So watch this. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, to the words of him who has the seven spirits of God. Now remember, the way Jesus introduces himself in each one of these passages relates to the problem they have. So why seven spirits? I only thought there was one. And that's the point. The number seven is complete. And when he says he's the one that has the seven spirits of God, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. I am the one with true spiritual authority and power. And then he mentions the seven stars. Now, that's seven angels. The idea was there was an angel that oversaw each one of these churches. And he's saying to this church, I know you think that there's significance, power, wealth, authority out there, but it's in me. You've abandoned the Holy Spirit. You've abandoned the spiritual gifts that I've given you. And that's why you're dying. That's why you're dying. This was a religious church. You know, some of the hardest people to correct are religious people. 
some of the hardest people to correct are religious people who think they're fine, who read this and say, this doesn't apply to me. Because I don't know if any of us are sitting here saying I'm dead. Now, this isn't referring to spiritual death, like you don't know God, but there's something in you that's just, when it comes to God's spirit, his presence, his truth, his power, there's just something missing. And so he says in verse two, wake up, meaning there's grace. It's not over. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Wake up. Now, one of the things that Jesus doesn't do And you'll find this in all these letters. He doesn't define every term and what it means. So what does it mean to be dead? Because again, I don't think any of us are sitting here and probably just applying that to yourself. Now, let me give you a little story. Maybe help you to step into it. There have been times where I've felt spiritually dead with God. I'm a kinesthetic learner. Do you know what that means? Feelings oriented. Now, I love to study. Some of you know I memorize scripture. I like to memorize the books of the Bible. I like to meditate on them, repeat them. The head's a big part of my study, but if it doesn't hit my heart, it's not real. And that's a, that's a blessing and a curse because it's a blessing in that you show up with passion, right? Kinesthetic learners tend to be passion, passion, passion. Oh my gosh, you're overwhelming me. But it's a lot of work to sustain passion. And there have been times in my life where I felt God is just distant from me. Maybe he's abandoned me. You know, I struggle with a mild form, I think, of depression at times. And there's times where God's voice just doesn't penetrate. Where you're walking through difficulty and struggle. Maybe somebody's accused you of something. Maybe you failed in some way, and and you just start heaping it on you. You know what I mean? You start carrying that weight. And then you go to Scripture, and it's just like, what am I doing? There's nothing here. And that weight of death just kind of waves, kind of runs over you, and then doubt starts to step in. I find when I'm, I'm really depressed or uh, doubt steps in, and I, I stop questioning the doubt, right? Because I can't be honest about my doubts because I'm a good Christian, I'm a pastor, I can't do that. And you just find that weight after weight after weight starts to, to fall upon you, and eventually it's just like, where is God? I mean, that's something that I, I resonate with. I can, I can sense that. And so one of the things I want to do is to look at the way the New Testament describes death and life. Because you may not think this applies to you, maybe what we need to do is to kind of go through some passages that just where Jesus, the New Testament, talks about being dead or being alive. Now, the first one is obvious. It's spiritual life and death. And that's not what he's talking about here. You are once dead in your transgressions and sins. Now you came to life in Christ. That's not what he's referring to. Now, there may be unbelievers, non-believers in this church but this church, they, they trusted the God. They believed in Jesus. They trusted the gospel. So he's not referring to salvation. So I want to look at a couple of places where we see these terms life and death. One of them is with the Pharisees. Very religious. You know, on the outside, mor- the morality was good. You know? They look good. We hate them, but in the first century, people loved them. Because they were nationalistic. Patriotic. I mean, the Pharisees were incredibly patriotic. Don't mess with Israel. They would protect the cities. They would protect the nations. They would protect God's law. And what they would do is they would enforce God's law. Not just enforce God's law, they'd enforce their law. Because their vision was, if everyone was obedient, Jesus would come back. And so it's your fault. I mean, right? That's the message. 
in Jerusalem. It's like, why hasn't Jesus come back or God's come back? It's because you guys are messing it up. And so we're going to take the rules of the priesthood, the Levites, and we're going to put it all on you. And that's what they did. Now, you would look at them and you'd say, that's alive. They're alive. I mean, passion, fervor, discipline. But what did Jesus, how did he evaluate them? It sounds pretty similar to this church in Sardis. So let's go to Matthew 23. We'll put it up on the wall, but if you have a Bible, we're going to spend a little time there. Matthew 23, verse 27. Listen to how Jesus assesses them. He says, woe to you. And he addresses both the scribes and the Pharisees. He says, you hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly, outwardly appear beautiful. Good reputation. But within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you also appear righteous to others. But within you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. It's pretty similar to what we hear Jesus saying to the church in Sardis. You have a great reputation. You have a great reputation. People love this church. But something's wrong with your priorities. Something's wrong with with the things that you love. Now, what's missing? Now, there's a lot. Matthew 23, you can spend a lot of time there. And it's, it's a great series to go through. Just kind of evaluate where we are as a church, but in Matthew 23, Jesus addresses two major issues, and you'll see them back in the preceding context in verse 23. So if you look back at verse 23, he says this. What was missing in this to these guys? What, what was missing in their heart? He says in verse 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe. Get this. I mean, mint and dill and cumin. Take some of the herbs. Okay, 10%, Jesus, God, it's all you. And he doesn't say that's bad. Hey, that's great. If that's what your conscience asks you to do, wonderful. Okay, fine. But, but, hey, hey guys, how about justice? I mean, give me your dill. I want your mercy. Thanks for the cumin. Where's the faithfulness? Come on, guys. You spend all this time focused on this external obedience, but I see no justice. I see no mercy. I see no faithfulness. And what does he call them? Look at it, verse 23. These you ought to have done. I would rather have your justice than your cumin. Thank you. Without neglecting the others, verse 24, you blind guides, straining out a gnat to swallow a camel. And then it kind of shifts, verse 25. Woe to you, here's another woe. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside will also be clean. What did they miss? Pretty big. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this isn't new to Jesus. This was in the Old Testament. How do we summarize the law? Love God. What does it look like to love God? It means to allow God to come in and clean from the inside out. So when he's talking about you look like whitewashed tombs, you're trying to bring about God changes on human effort. And so your Christianity is tiresome, right? It's just tiresome. You're trying to bring about God results in human effort. And he says, woe to you guys. I wish you would worry more about what's going on in the heart, what you're worshiping, what you're pursuing, what you're valuing, than simply worrying about what people think about you. 
You're trying to bring about changes that only God can bring about in human effort. And then second, love your neighbor as yourself. Because see, what does justice, mercy, and faithfulness have to do with? It has to do with others. You're so diligent in the works that you do, but you don't care for the people that are experiencing injustice. Or if you do, you care for one group of people, right? We all have a group that we think is most experiencing injustice. But see, to God, God looks out the world, he just sees injustice all over the place. And he's wondering who's gonna respond to that. Listen, Pharisees, I set you up as leaders of this nation to show people what justice looks up, to, to bring up the poor, to protect the unborn, to care for the immigrants, to care for those that are experiencing and are under some oppression of racism, to care for those that have been hurt and abused by people in positions of power. This is your calling. All of them matter to me. All of them matter. But will you move with a heart of justice and then a heart of mercy to realize I haven't given anyone what they deserve? You know, often as religious people, we look at others and we say, we know what they deserve. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't know what they deserve. You don't know what they deserve because, see, we're, we're in the same place, and the only reason our eyes are open is because the grace of God came in and opened our eyes to see. The only reason we're not blind is because the Holy Spirit came in and woke us up. And, see, we need to have mercy towards people because that was us. That was us. That was us. And God wants to change them. And then faithfulness, which is faithfulness to God and faithfulness to each other. Church, if God came to us and looked at us, would he see justice, mercy, and faithfulness? Is, that's what he's saying. That's what it means to be alive. This is what I care about. And so that's one picture of life and death. You're valuing the wrong things. You've set your heart on the wrong things. Now, the second one is a common story as well. It's the story of the prodigal son. A son that knows his identity. He knows who his father is. He knows the privileges he has. What does he do? Dad? Dad. Father's Day next week, right? Here's how I celebrate Father's Day. I wish you were dead. I mean, listen, today, that's not going over in my house. I'm going to need to be restrained if my son came to me. I wish you were dead, Dad, but I just want your money. All right, son, we got to talk on this. Now, in a traditional culture, that, the level of fence, we live in an individualistic culture, so it's just an offense against me, but in a traditional culture, it's an offense against the entire community. Because this was a landover. This is a man of significance, a man of authority and power. And when you say something to someone in a position like that, it, it shames the whole community. This dad should have done nothing but kick his son's butt and kick him out of the house. What is shocking is that he gives his son what he asked for. He gives him the inheritance, which means probably a third of the estate, younger brother. So the first one gets double, second guy gets a third. Now, they don't have liquid assets, right? Oh, let me give you a check. You know what he has to do? In the shame of that community, he has to sell his property. Hey, Bill, why are you selling your property? My son wishes I was dead, so I'm going to give him some of the inheritance. Now, are you kidding me? I mean, the level of shame this father is going to carry for his son is immense so that his son could do what? His son could be, he could wake up. Because what happens, he goes off and he spends what he has. You guys know the story, right? He's eating the pig feed, and what happens? He starts thinking, man, it was so much better with my father. 
And then he comes up with his speech, because all of us have done that with our parents, right? You're coming home, you're driving. Well, let me tell you, Dad, what happened. What happened was, and that's what he does. Hey, I can't be a son, but maybe I can pay you back. There's no way the kid could pay it back, but I could become a servant. That's what he's thinking. I'll work for you, and maybe I could pay off the debt. And what happens? Watch this, Luke chapter 15, verse 20. And so this is speaking of the father. The father arose and came, uh, I mean, the son arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran, embraced him, and kissed him. And as soon as he's kissing him like the son, right, he's kind of going into his spiel, and the father's like, shut up, son. You cannot earn this. You can't earn this. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, quickly. I don't want him to get away. Put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us celebrate. Why? He was dead. And he's alive again. He's lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. What does death look like? It looks like rebellion. To the Pharisees, it was a wrong set of priorities. Raising their priorities above God's. With this son, it is rebellion. I know who I am. I'm a son. I know who my father is, and I know what my father wants, but I don't care. I don't care. Can churches fall into that trap where we don't care what our father says? Absolutely. Money, sexuality, relationships. The way we do business, the way we do... God, I don't care about what you say. I'm going to do it in a way that fits with me. It could be this church had just fallen into total rebellion. And what they needed is the grace of God to say, church, wake up. Just as you are eating alongside of the pigs, the spirit of God comes in. The seven spirits comes in and says, wake up. You're a daughter. You don't belong here. Why are you looking at porn? Son, you don't belong here. This is not for you. Why are you constantly shopping? Buying one thing after the next, after the next, after the next. Daughter, son, you don't belong there. Why are you constantly watching news and constantly, you don't belong there, you belong with me. It could be we feel dead because we're just in rebellion. And what we need is the spirit of God to come and say, wake up. I love you. And when you run to him, he is gonna be so quick to respond because he does not want you to go back. Maybe that's where some of us are. Maybe that's where the church in Sardis is. And here's the third one. The third, it's a little more complex, but it's a little more theological. But we see the language of life and death. It's used to contrast the difference between living by the law or living by the power of the Spirit. We see this in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. He said, for the law of the Spirit of life, the law of the Spirit of life, meaning the gospel has set you free from the law of sin and death. And we see this throughout the New Testament, uh, 2 Corinthians at the end, chapter 3, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, for the letter kills. The Spirit gives life. You know, all, the law is good. Understand, the law is good. When you see the commandments of the Old Testament, it's showing you the depths to which Jesus died for. When you get to all those weird laws, you know, don't move your donkey. If you do, move a donkey and a donkey dies. And it's like, what am I doing? 
It's showing you the depths of God's holiness. That's all those details, right? It's showing you the depths to which Jesus died for you. The depths of our, the wages of sin is death. And let me show you the, the fullness of God's holiness. That's what all the Leviticals laws are about. But you know, all the law can do is show you where you failed. The wages of sin is death, right? All the law can do is say, Jason, listen, bro, you already know it. You didn't live up today. You know how you failed? You can't tell anyone about that. You know how you didn't live up to the law? The law is always going to condemn you. And even when you do it, you know what the law is going to do? Even when you succeed the next day, we got another day, don't we? <laughs> another day for you to fail. You know what the Spirit does? Look at Jesus. Hey, shut up. Stop talking about your sin. I know about that. I'm glad you repented. I'm glad you confessed. Hey, can we just spend some time looking at Jesus? Can you look at what he's done for you? Do you see my holiness? Do you see my grace? He covered that for you. Stop living like an orphan. You're not an orphan, son. You have all the resources of the spirit. You've got the resources of the family of God. Look at what I've given you. I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. You know what the spirit's constantly doing? Constantly saying, Abba. Father, this one is mine. Law, you do not have him. This one is mine. It could be this is a church that's trying to live out of its own efforts. And listen, you're exhausted. You're exhausted. I can't do it right. I can't do it right. How many of you walk in shame? Listen, some of us need to be honest enough and with our guilt and just give that to the Lord. That's, that's healthy. But when we give it to the Lord, we need to allow the Spirit to renew us and walk in the authority and the power that God has given us. So when we look at this church in Sardis, where are they? Were they pharisaical? They're, they're valuing the wrong things? Were they a community of people that were just in rebellion? Or were they trying to, to live out God's life on their own strength? Where are you, church? And here's how he says we should respond. Watch this. Let's jump back into Revelation chapter 3. And he says three things. First of all, wake up. Wake up. Which means listen to what the Spirit of God is saying this morning. Church, what is the Spirit of God saying? Where is their death? And then he says strengthen what remains. So the first step is to repent. Am I listening I'm a child of God. Father, you're speaking to me right now in this room. You're speaking to me. What is he saying to you? Are you willing to wake up? That's what waking up means. And then second, strengthen what remains. Listen, in our culture today, we love intensity. You know what I mean? We love to be associated with a church of intensity, with a ministry of intensity, with authors of intensity, with music of intensity. And fruitfulness it comes out of consistency, not intensity. You know what I'm, you, you, you hear me on that? And so often what we do is we think, I'll be, have spiritual vitality if I have the right leader around me, the right ministry, the right music, the right spiritual fruit comes out of consistency. Doing well the simple things in life. How does the Spirit of God produce power in your life? It's doing well the simple stuff. It means having an app on your phone that just gives you at least one verse a day. Some of you are like, listen, pastor, I'm not going to get up an hour early. Don't. Get up 
four minutes early. <laughs> I mean, if that's where you are, get up four minutes early. And, and then, you know, you got that app. You guys got that app. I get it. Mine's at 837. I don't know why. It just is. And at 837, I got it this morning. Did you guys get it this morning? Love one another, outdo one another, show an honor. Anybody, any hands? Anybody get that today? No, no one got it. Okay, you guys are all sinners. Okay, sorry. <laughs> That's the Bible app. Didn't you guys get that? That was the day. Today, I watched the little video too. I was sitting in my office. I was excited. Nobody watched it with me. It's the verse of the day. Yeah, it was Romans 12. That was the verse of the day. I mean, just sit, just read that. Well, I mean, that's all it takes. And then what I do is at noontime, I pray the Lord's Prayer. That's my consistency, pray the Lord's Prayer. And it doesn't have to be right at noon. It's just sometime in the middle of the day, just pray the Lord's Prayer out loud. Remind myself, I am a son. He is my father. That he wants, to, he wants his kingdom to come through me. He wants his will to be done. And, and I need to resist the power, but I got to do it by his strength. I want my daily bread because he's my provider I got to pray that. And then at night, you know what you do when you lay down? You just kind of reflect. And you go back to that verse you read this morning. How did that go? Not well. Well, That's okay. We got tomorrow. Strengthen what remains. And then finally, he says, remember. Remember. And remember means remember the gospel. Remember what God has done. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. And I love this phrase in here. He tells us, one of the things he says in verse 2, he says, you know, I found your works are incomplete. Even though there's a lot going on here, guys, when he says it's incomplete, he says, I haven't given up yet. That he who began, and hear this, somebody needs to hear this, he who began a good work. He who began, who began it? God did. He's going to be faithful in your life to complete it. He's not done with you. I don't care about your rebellion. I don't care about it. Would you just wake up? I don't care about your misplaced priorities. Would you wake up? I don't care if you're just trying to do it by the flesh. Wake up. He who began a work in you is faithful to complete it. Verse five, and the one who conquers will be clothed in white garments. No more sin, no more shame. And I will never blot out his name. Instead, from the book of life, I will confess just as you confess Jesus as Lord. Could you imagine this before the Father? Hey, Dad, it's Jason. This is my daughter. Jesus confessing. The word confess means to say the same thing. And one day he's gonna confess your name before the Father. And the picture here is a picture of authority, intimacy, He's going to be with you, and his identity is yours. You're going to be covered in white. That's our future. But as we, this morning, we're going to celebrate communion. Where do you need to wake up, church? Where do you need to wake up? And maybe after we celebrate communion, there are going to be some prayer leaders. Prayer leaders, you know who you are. I need you up front. And if you see a spot that's open, that's your spot. And if you don't think you're a prayer leader, get up here. You just come on up and you stand in that spot. If you need to be prayed for after we celebrate communion, please, it's worth it. It's worth it. Because if the Spirit of God is speaking to you today, it's not because this is just a routine and this is just an experience. No, God is doing something new in your life and he wants to bring truth and grace. And so if you didn't grab communion elements because you guys are like new all over here, you guys probably need, you guys got your communion elements? 
Did you grab them? You didn't. It's okay. They're right here. So you guys, you can grab these. Please come take them. You can also get them in the back. I already had one. I didn't realize it. I took care of myself. And we're just going to spend a few moments in reflective prayer. Just, and again, maybe it's, it's just allowing the Spirit to, to show you where you need to wake up. But as the worship team plays, let's spend a few moments in, in reflective prayer, just seeking our Father, seeking His presence, seeking His voice, allowing us to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Father, your children are listening. Let us seek His face.